I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. How do you go about getting an exorcism? Beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. On this edition, I'm joined once again by Jack Howard. And if you've been watching the Secrets of Cinema series on BBC4, you may well know that the show that goes out on Thursday is all about spy movies. The first two programmes we did, the first one was about superheroes, the second one was about British history, but the third one is about spies in the movies. So, in order to, well, celebrate the return of Secrets of Cinema, Jack and I decided to sit down and discuss our favourite spy movies. So, sit back in the comfort and safety of your own home, and I hope you are all obeying the uh, current regulations about staying in your own home, and enjoy me and Jack Howard talking spies. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. You're asking that in a very sensitive way. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm, no, I mean, I'm asking because, you know, like me, I know how much of your life revolves around cinema, which obviously is one of the mm. things that, you know, is absent from our lives. But how are you bearing up? Yeah, it is a bit of a weird one. Um, to be honest, I'm kind of enjoying... And look, look, I know there's a, there's a very serious thing that's going on right now and people are literally dying. But there's part of me that's kind of enjoying the limitations of this because I'm a self-employed person. Every day I wake up and hey, I think, "Welcome to my world." Yeah, <laughs> I wake up and think, "What are the plethora of options I could?" And because I have to make that decision, sometimes I find that quite difficult. My brain struggles with that sometimes okay. about all the different decisions I could make. But now it's been restricted to just here's what you can do in your own home, and in order to not go mad. So this is creative. like a kind of this is like Lars von Trier in, in, imposing restrictions on his filmmaking, you know, sure. like, like the like the obstacles film. I, but that's why I think I mean, in, in terms of filmmaking, that's why I think that Edgar Wright's best film still is Shaun of the Dead, because I think they still had. I mean, that's just like a one example, but I think having those restrictions on you sometimes can actually breed something more interesting. And right now, I'm personally just enjoying my day-to-day a bit more than I usually would because my day hasn't changed that much as a self-employed person. I usually work from home and all the rest of it anyway. But these days I'm finding myself being a bit more creative with my time and thinking what can I actually do rather than having all these different options. I've only got a few now. Um, And not going to the cinema is difficult, but I've uh, started a... Uh, an isolation film club with my friends, so we're we're pl- hitting play on Netflix at the same time. Well, apparently, yeah, the the, the Netflix film club thing is quite a big deal. Mm. I see that Empire are also doing a thing about you. There's a when there's a movie on television, you all watch it at the same time and talk to each other on Twitter. But there's loads of people have found ways of watching communally, and I think what's really fascinating about this is it demonstrates that even in isolation, people want 
that communal experience. Yes, they do. And they will use whatever technology is possible to get. And I just love that idea because it kind of proves that there is something about the communal experience of cinema. We all talk so much about how, you know, it's better to watch films at home because, you know, you don't get people eating crisps and I've moaned about that. But you take the communal experience away and people will go to such lengths yep. to reproduce it. The amount of times I that I won't, fascinating. I won't watch a film sometimes because I'll go to my housemates do you fancy watching this? And they'll be like, oh, I'm not really in the mood. And I'll be like, oh, fine, I won't. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't you... really fancy the idea of experiencing it on my own. But but, that's, ad- but isn't that great? Isn't, doesn't, that, doesn't that tell you something that over, you know, after 100 years of cinema, that thing about the communal experience, even if you're not all sitting in the same place, mm-hmm. still there is something about cinema that brings audiences and people together and when they physically can't be brought together now thanks god bless it thanks to the miracle of the internet and twitter and netflix and all the rest of it we can somehow stay in contact and you know get that get that experience which i think the thing that i'm really missing i never realized that i would do go on you know because the way my week would usually work is mondays and tuesdays are national press shows you know week of release screenings so nine o'clock eleven o'clock one o'clock and this must be the first time this hasn't happened to you Jack, it's in, the first time it's happened in 30 years. Yeah. It's the strangest thing. And what, I, what I've what i realised is how much I miss it. How much I've missed turning up at a preview screening and seeing Linda Marrick and Wendy Ide and Simran Hans and Pete Bradshaw and... You know, and it's like turning up to your office. Like, yeah, you're just seeing your work colleagues. It's, it's, it, and it's so bizarre because, I, I mean, even if we don't talk very much, you know, often it's just like, all right, there you go, yeah. you know, like that. Um I, I have really missed that that feeling of uh, companionship. And, and another thing which I think is good, and we'll get onto the subject of this podcast in just a moment, another thing which I think is good about it is that I have worried in the past about whether or not the comradeship of film criticism has fractured of late. And what I've realised is that it hasn't because I'm missing something yeah. that I didn't even realise I had. Sometimes it's just the presence of another person yeah. and, and just knowing that that energy is there and the fact that you're all experiencing something at the same time is, is, is just even something you're subconsciously aware of. Just sitting in a room with a bunch of other critics, knowing that, I mean, I always sit in the same place in the same screening room. So, you know, like for example, if I'm on, there's a screening room on Dean Street. So, you know, Linda Marrick is in front of me and then, you know, Wendy would be over to the left and Pete would be two rows down and Simran would be three rows. You know, I mean, I can literally, yeah. I can, place where everyone would be in van would I mean, be over there on the far left and, I bet you know, a lot of people don't really know that everybody has their place it is like an office like everyone sits at the same desk <laughs> yes, it's, right. it's, it's interesting that like no one would take Kermode seats uh, and don't you dare <laughs> but also also it's different seats in different screening rooms which is the really weird thing it's it's you know it's anyway this podcast wasn't just for us to ramble on. it's been nice to do so and we'll carry on doing it because um, Secrets of Cinema is on at the moment, um, you plug. haven't. You haven't plug. Well, hey, it's my series. It's my podcast. If I'm not going to plug it, who's going to do it? Okay, <laughs> and uh, and you haven't even seen the superheroes one yet. So it you, only came out yesterday. Yeah, but this is podcast is going out like a week's time. So you know, by the time you've seen it, you by the time people have... are listening to this, you will have seen it. And well, you know I... what? If it'll make you feel better, yeah. I won't watch it until this podcast has gone out. It won't make me feel better. I want you to watch it and tell me what you think. Well, okay. Because, 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 because when the superheroes thing went out and it was all lovely and Twitter response was great and everything was great and I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder what Jack thinks. Oh, that's I'm, nice. No, because, you know, because you and I have had a lot of conversations yeah. about superheroes. So I am actually kind of, you know. Well, on the next podcast, we'll bring it up. Well, on this podcast, we're going to talk about spy movies because the third in the Secrets of Cinema series, which we may be, however this is panning out and when this is going out, is about spies. Actually, when we made it, 
<laughs> we were thinking that it was going to run right up to the release of the Bond movie, which of course is now... Now it's got so know, much time to die. Licensed to get very good. <laughs> licensed to kill but not to sneeze. Was so, so anyway, so that's what we should... But, but the programme itself all got made. It's all finished. And we're very lucky that we kind of got everything in under the wire. So that's great. So because that was kind of in the ether, you and I thought, well, you know, let's let, let we keep things going without sort of new releases. So we've... We decided to do a podcast on what well, I thought we were doing top five spy movies. Yeah, you I thought, thought we, we were doing, doing top, top three, three oh. because you're a lightweight. <laughs> and um, actually, it's not your fault. I texted Nick to say, Nick, are we doing three? And he went, no, five. So you can blame Nick. Nick? Sorry. Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Start that so as a new we'll running is, joke on this we'll show. We'll do. That's <laughs> <laughs> a new feature. Fuck yeah. you, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That'll be their own theme music in a few episodes. So we've decided that we will that we'll do well. We'll do top three, but I'll probably talk about the other two that yeah. I went as well. So, um, how do you want to start this? Do you? Well, want to so this well, is, I think just, it's important to say that we're excluding James Bond. Oh in yeah, this. yeah. So because Bond isn't, we want to do our Bond. If it eventually comes out, it when will, Bond comes if out, it will come out. Well, because that much know, the world is insane right it. now. Who knows what's going to happen? Okay, I'm pretty certain <laughs> that we're going to get through this, and the Bond movie is going to be released. Okay, I like the chaos right now. I'm I'm, I'm unsure. Yeah, um, <laughs> not yeah, really gonna, helping. But there we go. You know, we're going to do our Bond films yeah. later in the year. Yeah, when, so when, for when this for this spy one, we're yeah. going to exclude Bond from mm-hmm. the from the uh, from the options. Yes. And that's kind of difficult. I don't know if you struggled at all, but well, you probably didn't. But I well, struggled. Well, I, I literally just did the Secrets of Cinema program, so I right. didn't struggle because yeah, sure. it's like you know, it was me and Nick and Kim and John sitting in a room talking about spy movies mm-hmm. for like a day, which was kind of the best primer, to be honest with yeah, you. So yeah, yeah. you know, anyway. So, but okay. So, do you want? Shall I go first, or you want to go first? You can go first. All right. So the first thing I want to say is that I, one of the things I like about spy movies is that is that the the term spy movies covers a number of things and it is indicative that many of the things that I think of as the best spy movies are not necessarily things that you think of immediately. You mean as that they're spy like movies. part of another genre? Yeah, or they encompass other genres or they're they're movies that are about spies but you know are they, that's one of the things I really like about it. So at, at number 3, I mean there's yeah I will, I will we'll do top 3 and I'll chuck in the other ones but at okay. number 3, okay? And this is funny because this isn't in the programme. And in fact, it wasn't something that I was thinking about when we were making the programme. And it's only something that occurred to me in the fairly recent, you know, like in the last day or so when I was thinking about, because I started thinking about, you know, movies, spies and deception of it, is Ang Lee's Lost Caution. I haven't seen that Okay, film. so, well, his, I don't know how widely seen it was, okay? It is a really. It's. Disc- I looked it up because I remembered it being. A, you know, there's a spot. It is sort of. You know, it's about spot. Lost caution. Lost caution. Yeah, which is a really sort of strange title anyway. So I looked up how it was defined. You know, with you go on IMDb and everything. It is described as an espionage erotic period drama, and I thought, yeah, that's how I remember it. Okay, so essentially, it's Hong Kong 1938, and it's about students from Hong Kong University planning to assassinate a government agent, and apparently the story is loosely based on real events about which I, you know, knew nothing at all. But of course, what it's centrally about is about seduction it has some fairly explicit uh, sex scenes in it that caused it to be a um a sort of cause a celeb around the world in terms of censorship controversy i read this really terrifying thing tang Wei, who's the lead actress was apparently 
ostracized, and this is straight from Wiki, ostracized from China's movie industry after making the film oh, and wow. did not work for three years oh, wow. because the state administration of radio, film and television disapproved of her performance of sexual acts in Lost Caution. What now, year was this made? Oh, I think it was about 10 years ago, uh, 2007, 2007. Right. Wow, I mean, but I'm now getting to the point that, you know. 10 years. 10 years, it seems fairly recent. <laughs> so the I social remember- network is 10 years old. That's terrifying. And Inception. No, that's really terrifying. Inse- but listen, with, with, I remember when I went to see Lost Caution, and I went to see it, and I remember exactly the previous screening room that I went to see it, mm. it, was, in, it was in the downstairs. And the chair the, you sat in. Yes. No, I mean exactly that. And I didn't know anything about it at all, other than that it was a potential awards contender. And it was Ang Lee, you know, who was films I really, really like, or liked. I have, you know, recently, I just think he's kind of, I don't know why he's off with these kind of weird experiences, but... When I saw the film, I thought of it as, because I'm kind of quite interested in, in the erotic thriller genre, not least because my partner, Lindreith Williams, wrote a book about erotic thrillers. Right. And, uh, and I was sort of very fascinated by that thing about, you know, sexuality in mainstream cinema, not porn, but mm-hmm. in, used in mainstream cinema and obviously taking, because there's another Linda Williams, my partner is Linda Ruth Williams, and there's another Linda Williams who's written an academic book in America about hardcore. And mm-hmm. so actually they're very good friends. They know each other very well right. and their work gets confused. <laughs> and in the case of Lost Caution, it is a mainstream movie but it was NC-17 in America because it was thought of as very explicit and it is a film about interpersonal intimacy and deception and Ang Lee was absolutely he, uh, he, he said the sex scenes cannot be cut because the story of the film is told in the sex scenes mm. and I remember uh, talking to Kim Newman once and Kim um was asked by a, um, I think it was uh, the, the Dogma people, uh, he was asked if he would write um, a, a porn film for them. And he said, you know, the only way that would ever be an interesting project would be if you could write a porn film in which the, the plot was in the sex scenes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kim's, Kim can do anything. And it was, he's, you know, he's such an erudite writer and he could find a way of doing it, you know. So you can't take them out because that's where the plot is. But what I thought was really fascinating about Lost Caution is it is a spy movie. It is about all those, you know, double dealing and deception. And but that deception is actually really crystallised in these very intimate yeah, scenes. The, in the and scenes where people feel the most exposed. Yeah, 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 exactly. When, when you think that every everything is out there and you think and yet, that everything is and that, those are the, those are the moments as well in the human experience where you're supposed to feel most present and yeah. most honest yeah and, yeah exactly and and yet in those moments there's still this i guess i mean i haven't seen it but i'm, I'm assuming there is like an, an uncertainty of whether or not who's being honest in yeah, 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 yeah. that sounds fascinating yeah, I, I think you'd love it i think it's a really interesting last portion go on a My number three is so different. Yeah. Uh, it is Kingsman, The Secret Service. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I am a huge fan of Matthew Vaughan. Oh, I mean, the same as Ang Lee. Yeah. I was until he made Kingsman 2. Yes. Like where, I mean, let's just do that for a second. Kingsman, The Golden Circle, to me, is it was as disappointing as when they made Kick-Ass 2. But I sort <laughs> and of... And that's, and that's majorly disappointing. It, it really is. And uh, Kick-Ass 2 w- was oh, let's take everything about the first Kick-Ass that we think people liked and amplify that and miss all the points of what people actually liked. Yeah. And Kingsman, The Golden Circle, it's, I, exactly, the it's exactly the same. But Matthew Vaughan didn't direct Kingsman, uh, sorry, Kick-Ass 2. He did direct Kingsman 2. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's never done a sequel before. He did direct Kick-Ass 2. Jeff... Jeff, that's it. We Jeff. Can't, I mean, just Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it is some guy called Jeff. Jeff. Jeff something, okay. who cares? Yeah. Um, 
but he did. He, Matthew Vaughan had never directed a sequel before, so I was very excited about the prospect of why is he coming yeah. back to this one? Like, what is it about this that, that Kickass didn't have that he's thinking there's something here? And I think now the answer is that it was a massive success. Yeah. The first Kingsman was a huge success, and he thought I can do a sequel now and, and make myself a franchise. And Kingsman Two. Sorry to just go on a rant about the film. No, no, isn't my favourite. But Kingsman Two, everything about it just felt so obviously I could see I could see through all the decisions like having Channing Tatum and Halle Berry and Julianne Moore and Elton John in it just to have these people on the poster because there's literally a moment in it where you introduce people like uh, Jeff Bridges and uh, and Halle Berry and Channing Tatum like they're in a sitcom like they turn around <laughs> and you, you, it's almost like they want to have like a name tag underneath them like dun, 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 like this person's in it and and then you just put them on ice for the whole thing and bringing back Colin uh, Firth from the dead is like yeah. just, after and not just oh. not just a bit dead but majorly dead shot in the face I know I know and and the worst thing about it is that when you bring that character back you undermine Everything. Everything about the first film is like, yep. oh, he's not dead. No one's because dead. Because the, the big, one of the big themes in terms of its fourth wall breakingness of the first film was this ain't that kind of movie. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the, and, and he literally says that as he shoots him in the face. And then they bring him back from the dead. So I guess it is, it is that, that, it is that, kind, is that of kind of movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. How did Matthew Vaughan not know that? Uh, oh yeah, there's so much. There's stuff. also the whole thing about you know Elton John doing an unfunny cameo. Oh, it's not a cameo. It's, not a it's cameo. a whole role. He's, he's a he's, supporting he's, actor. He's actually in this. terrible all the way through oh, the film. And there's a bit where he's flying through the sky and he like he's doing a flying kick and he just looks and I think he winks at the camera. And I remember being in the screening room and just detaching, almost similar to what happened in the Rise of Skywalker. Like I was like, okay, I have to sort of create some distance between this. And then I was so upset after seeing Golden Circle that I went back and watched Kick-Ass, The First Kingsman and X-Men First Class okay, to be like, okay. oh, Matthew Vaughan is He's, a good okay, director. Okay, okay, okay. So tell me why uh, Kingsman Secret Service. So big fan of Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass I think took uh, everything from the, the superhero genre, turned it on its head and then created, if you did it on a graph, it started out as this real world self-aware movie and then across that graph it sort of grew into becoming, oh no, we're standing shoulder to shoulder with other superhero movies yeah, yeah. now. And I think he took that exact same formula and then put it onto a, onto a spy genre mm. uh, and took a lot of the stuff, I'm a big fan of James Bond, um, grew up watching it almost obsessively where my mum at one point had to ban me from watching James Bond films in the week, like in, on school nights, I was not allowed must to have watch been them. Such an annoying I, kid. I must have been. I, like I had like a, a suit that they bought me from a uh, a charity shop that was obviously oversized. I got a replica of the the Walther PPK. Wow. Like all the stuff, I was obsessed. Um, <laughs> and so Did all your school friends go here comes Jack Howard, <laughs> licensed to kill with his slick back hair. <laughs> um, <laughs> so taking that Roger Moore cheesy element yeah. of, of, of Bond that we hadn't seen for a long time and putting it into a modern context was like just super, super fun. But I think that I'm a sucker for not only that sort of fourth wall, uh, almost postmodern storytelling, that's yeah. sort of my generation's whole shtick, but I also just like the fact that you're seeing something much more camp and silly um, mm. that you don't usually see in super in spy movies these yeah. days. Everything's a lot more gritty and grounded, and it just stood out above everything else. Uh, and I'm a sucker for great action scenes. I think there's such great storytelling to be, as you'll see more in in my other choices. There's such great storytelling to be done, um, as we all know, without dialogue. Mm. But in an action movie, I think you can learn so much about who somebody is and what somebody's like. Like the first scene in the pub where Colin Firth 
beats up all those thugs. After shutting the door. And they're, yes, the, the man is the maketh the man. Yeah, exactly, that, that's the... Such a great, I mean, like, what an iconic piece of imagery is all. Like, you, you know, you see that moment, and you know exactly what is going on. But then he sits back down and goes, I'm going to finish my lovely pint of Guinness. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, from the beginning, you get who this person is and yeah. the dynamic between them. And I, I love the, the, the classic storytelling of My Fair Lady, and they even reference that mm. in the movie. Um, yeah, and it also feels very modern with the tech guy wanting to save the world, but by doing it, creating a human coal. Like, it all just feels kind of relevant, but in a really out-of-this-world, large-scale spy way. Uh, and it has so many different... This is the difference as well between the second one and the first one. So many different exciting things to watch in it. So you have the fight scenes and the church one especially like stood out. I remember the first time I watched that, my jaw dropped. I felt the same way about the church scene because of everything, including the fact that it's the church scene. Yes, yes. And Colin Firth doing it. What genius casting. I know. Like to be able to take somebody like him who we know to be upstanding and British and proper and Pride and Prejudice and Bridget Jones's Diary, The King's Speech, Oscar winning Colin Firth, (laughs) who's built himself up to this place and now he's killing a bunch of racists. (laughs) In a church. In a church, but like, and setting it to like, this is the genius of Matthew Vaughan as well. Like, setting that sort—it's not an original thing to do, but it's something that he, I think, he's perfected. Is setting, and I've talked about this on the podcast before yeah. with Hit Girl. Yeah, setting really horrific stuff to really upbeat, catchy music. So yeah, that yeah. church scene is done to um, Freebird, uh, yeah. and it just immediately you just—it's so great. And the decision as well to make it a racist church, like. We want to be able to have this ridiculous, over-the-top, violent action scene. How can we make people root for him killing everybody in the room? Yeah, yeah. Let's make them all horrible, deplorable people. Brilliant. Inc- incidentally, if you think that use of Freebird is great, you should, or you shouldn't, but you should see Rob Zombie's use of Freebird in is it The Devil's Rejects, right. which, in which it's, it's like it's the opposite of great. Right. It's like absolutely the shittest shitness of shit ever. Mm-hmm. And you're just going... Really? So, <laughs> really? You know, it's like, there's there's no distance between those two things at all. No, so let me ask you. The, the, and I, 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 this does still. It, it, oh it, yeah. No, let's have a conversation about this. The bomb note, you know. Yeah, I remember even the first time I watched it, I terrible. like I cringed and thought, oh no, no, what it's doing is it's taking the piss out of the take me around the world one more time, James, scene and overtly doing it. But it's the worst. So crass. Yeah, it's it's sort of it's not. I get what the joke is, I get what they're doing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they've nailed it. So I think it's a nasty moment that for half the audience goes like, you know, oh, really? It's a kind of, it's a missile. And the, the, the gag is just in case anybody doesn't know. Well, actually, I, don't, I can't even bring myself. Jack, <laughs> what is the gag? So uh, the princess is locked away and he wants to save her. And she says, if you do it, we can do it in the asshole. And he goes, I'll be right back. And then at the end, he goes in, and, and she and, turns over, and the camera zooms in on yeah. her. Well, bump. it's it's not as it, it's it, it, she it turns. To, yeah, you know what's about to happen, and Merlin is watching it on a camera and goes, "Oh!" and then just closes. It's closes just like it's just all. Just, the, it's I, I, again, I get it. It's it's taking the piss out of the the Rob uh, the uh, the Roger Moore stuff, but it just feels like the wrong. F- Fucking joke! It I feels think it's I think it's misplaced. I think it strikes such a bum note. And that, I, Sorry, but again, you know, the pun again. No, but it, that's you know that's how I said it in the review. I, and I think it. And here's an interesting thing. I think Taron Egerton feels the same way. He definitely does. And I know for a fact that he felt awkward about yeah. in the, the fingering the, scene in, in the second one. Yeah, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He it was the girl. It was the girl's boyfriend who did the close up of it to make sure because Taron didn't want to do it. Yeah. 
I mean, I think the thing is, regardless of who's, it, it just shouldn't be in the no. film. And, and it's like you say, it's like they took all the things that were wrong with yeah. the first film and went, oh, let's make the second it. film about that. Yes. And, and you it, go, it no, that's literally the opposite of what And it's what a shame that that exists in this film because I think the reason why I love it so much, and I could talk about all the specifics yeah, yeah, yeah. of the action and all the rest of it, but I think the reason why I love it so much is it takes, again, it's a postmodern thing, it takes all the cliches and all the cheesy stuff about the spy genre and lovingly accepts it and no. amplify it. The gadgets, the, the, the scale, the, um, the, 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 the guns, the action, like it takes everything about the, that spy genre and embraces it and makes you sort of remember why this sort of tone can work. Okay. And then I think it ends it as you say, on a bomb note. A bomb note. And you left with that feeling yeah, yeah, and yeah. going, oh. Yeah, no, it's, ama it's amazing how much Because they strike it so well with the rest of it. Like then, I say, the church then, scene. And, and then somehow that mm. thing just like, it throws all that goodwill out the window. And that, I think, is a real kind of... Yeah. And also it feels to me like Matthew Vaughan going, meh. I also have a problem with the use of D uh, Dizzy Rascal's bonkers. Okay. Because, I, I, I mean, I... I think that it's incredibly uncool. <laughs> and I think it's a very cool film. And even some of the some of the costume design, like the fact that Eggsy is wearing like these big trainers that have got like wings on them. Yeah. It just feels a little bit like I mean it's iconic now, obviously, because that's what the character yeah. looks like. But when it came out at the time, Bonkers is Bonkers was at least six years old. <laughs> like why are you putting bonkers in this film? You've already got like a you know because this is a problem I think with all of Matthew Vaughan's film, but I get it. There's a lack of diversity in the film and to be honest I mean I don't want to make it a, 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 an issue that the film isn't bringing up but there's a lot of white people in it mm. and obviously when he goes to the Kingsman school um, everybody there is from Oxford or Cambridge and yeah. they're all tough twats but what, what, what would have happened in the film if Eggsy was a black kid like how, how would that have changed the dynamic of it and I don't want to make it a, like a race thing obviously not like I don't think that would have strengthened the film at all but there's something about like using dizzy rascals, yeah, yeah, yeah. bonkers, yeah. that just makes it super white. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just makes it feel like what are, what are, what's a, what are cool kids listen to? It just feels a little bit like ugh. But so I have my criticisms of it. But ultimately, I remember seeing it for the first time and just being complete. Like my expectations were succeeded and they were already high. Okay. Um, okay. Big big fan of Matthew Vaughan. I hope that the King's Man, whenever we see that, yeah. is is good because um, I want him to win back some goodwill. Oh yes, very, very nice. You're going to need a pair of shoes to go with your suit. An Oxford is any formal shoe with open lacing. This additional decorative piece is called broguing. Oxford's not brogues. Words to live by, Eggsy. Words to live by. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So let's move on to number two. And shall I go first? Or? Mm-hmm. Okay. So for number two, I was, now I was resting between these. I'm going to go for North by Northwest. I was also, Obviously, 39 Steps was the other thing that was in there. I mean, and one of the things we talked about in Secret of Cinema was the way in which, you know, Hitchcock is right there in the DNA of what we think of as the modern spy movie. And, and also how much what North by Northwest was doing then influenced the look of Bond. We're not yeah. doing Bond, but it was very important. But I Just even the way... He, the suits and uh, everything about the way, but the but the key th- the key for it for me is this, and this relates to something that you were just saying. Um, I think the reason North by Northwest is genius is because the balance between the character stuff and the action stuff is perfect. You know, action is character, and when people say North by Northwest, and even with the poster, you think of the crop duster scene, yes. right? But the crop duster scene only works because of everything you know mm-hmm. about the character, and I think that I mean, obviously. This is hardly revolutionary. <laughs> Hitchcock was a really good director. And, uh, oh, right. You know, yeah, no, it's, Tell like, me it's, more. it's like amazing. <laughs> he really knew how to keep that balance. You know, some, it's, it's, you know, between talking and not talking and between action and not action. It's, you know, I, I think I, I think he's some kind of okay. tour Jack. I All mean, right. I think, you know, and the Beatles are great as I well. I just you know. love the idea of us having a genuine conversation. <laughs> like, like, no one, like, no one's ever said these things before. <laughs> and, but, and in a way, that's the, the problem with saying North by North. Northwest is it's a kind of back of the net yeah like you know like you said yeah of course it's of course north by northwest the, the thing but, is, but, but, I, but, but, I was considering north by northwest but i want i didn't it felt like i'd be a poser to pick it okay because i like north well, by I am northwest. A poser, you know <laughs> <laughs> i like north by northwest a lot but i don't find myself going back to it a okay lot. it's not okay. the one that i in terms of spy movies that i always think oh i really want to watch that one That's, okay. okay i don't know why I think it's brilliant, but it's it probably just I probably. Watched. I think it's it, it's fresh in my mind because we use quite a lot of it in Secrets of Cinema, mm. and it was true that even just watching it on the street, you go, "This is really good. This yeah. is really, really good." And Christopher McQuarrie, who is the new author in charge of Mission Impossible, he references Die Hard a lot and North by Northwest yeah, a lot yeah. in terms of like writing and what's what the rules are that North by Northwest doesn't follow the rules of writing that everyone will tell you that the mother character is only there when you need her. And then she's gone for the rest of the film. And nobody cares. And Hitchcock doesn't care. But she's there to serve her purpose and then she's gone. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just like how even now that movie is still... I mean, I think that Casino Royale still owes a lot to, to North by Northwest yeah, 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 in terms yeah. of... Well, I think every every Bond afterwards yeah. does. I mean, with the exception of some of the Brosnans, which owe a little bit more to kind of 70s television. But, you know, I think... <laughs> I think so, okay. So, look, it's a safe and easy choice no, what, is, is there is there something in North by Northwest that like really stands? Yeah, the, out key, the, to you? the key for me is that it is it, what it is is it's the balance between action and character because mm-hmm. actually the whole thing about spy movies is you can have spy movies with no action at all and you can have spy movies with nothing but action. Yep. And what North by Northwest manages to do, as I said, everyone thinks that the poster is the crop duster, mm-hmm. right? You watch the film, that's a that a is moment. that is an element. Well, it's a, mm. more than a moment, yeah. but it's a, but it's it's an element. And the reason the crop duster works isn't just because you go, well, that is really brilliantly put mm. together. It's because of everything else that's happening around. It's the same. It. I think it's the same as uh, 
with Spielberg do it with Jaws is that yeah, yeah, the, the, the people no- think they want the shark. Yeah, but they don't. And I mean, yeah. we, we didn't have a sequel to North by Northwest, but we've had sequels to Jaws. And Sadly. We've, we've shown that that's <laughs> so not no, what works, not is it? Don't come any nearer. You get back. Right, come on. What's your number two? My number two is... Raise the bar. Raise the bar. The Coen Brothers' Burn After Reading. Oh, wow. I hate that film. Oh, great. Let's have a conversation. Right, go ahead. (laughs) I adore Burn After Reading. Okay, it's terrible. It's really not. It's it's one of my favourite Coen Brothers films. Go ahead. Um... It's the film. I'm so surprised. Yeah, I. They made this film after No Country for Old Men, and it feels like they needed a break because <laughs> No Country for Old Men is fantastic. Uh, it's so good. It's. I think it's a modern classic. Mm-hmm. And Burn After Reading, the first time I watched it, I was expecting. I was only. I was 16 when it came out. Burn After Reading. So it's been with me for most of my adult life. It is just such a fun, silly ridiculous film about how nothing matters and how chaotic everything is and I think all the characters are so well drawn and uh, interesting Brad Pitt delivers one of my favourite Brad Pitt performances of all time it's got one of the most surprising spoilers for, for Burn After Reading if you haven't seen it it's 12 years old but if you haven't seen it where Brad Pitt gets shot in the in the wardrobe still I think is I mean it's just it's it's it's, uh, the, it's the film is shot because Roger Deakins wasn't available. It's shot by Emmanuel Lebeski. Emmanuel Lebeski. Chivo. Yeah. <laughs> For short. Yeah. Um, and it is it competes with Deakins, and you can tell that the way that I mean I think he's amazing. Obviously he's won three Oscars in a row, uh, which I don't think anyone has ever done. Uh, and it's just I don't I don't know what it is about this film, but there's something that invites me in every single time I think it's the stupidity of everything and you are outside of them and you're watching them make mistakes you're almost like above the maze watching them make stupid mistakes which is kind of the opposite of way that Nolan makes films he wants you to be in there with them making the wrong turn but you're above them and then the introduction of J.K. Simmons halfway through the film being like what are they doing? oh all right. well I guess just come back to me when it makes sense I just love that from the very beginning like the, 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 the zoom in from the earth like going in yeah. like it, almost like it could have gone anywhere like it could have told any story to and it just happened to go there and find this one and then it zooms back out again just to be like yeah that was just one of, of many different things that we could have told I love the uh, the story of George Clooney thinking he's being uh, followed by spies and he's just got this like uh, inherent paranoia about everything that's going on and it turns out it's because he's being followed by his wife's divorce <laughs> divorce lawyers so and then it makes him inher- inherently paranoid by the end so that he when he actually is potentially being followed by people i love that the whole time francis mcdormand's character just wants to get some cosmetic surgeries <laughs> it's just so funny and then she gets what she wants by the end of it like that's her whole character arc is that she she gets what she wants because she knows too much and she doesn't want to sell secrets she just wants money to be able to change the way she looks everything's to... so superficial and ridiculous okay I have to tell you that listening to you talk about it makes me think I should go back and watch it again I mean for me the Coen Brothers movies break into two to two camps which yeah. are the ones I love and then the ones in which they're indulgent and I've always included incidentally Big Lebowski in 
in that. I'm not a big Lebowski fan. I'm not fan. a big Lebowski fan either. Okay. But hearing you talk, I mean, I just thought, you know, burn, burn after reading or burn after reading, as I've always called it. <laughs> um, I've just always thought it was kind of the most ultra indulgent frippery it's been a joy to hear you talk about it there's one gag in it which i've which i did laugh at which is jk simmons at the end we goes what have we learned i guess we learned not to fucking do it again (laughs) that's right yes that that joke did but that was partly because i'd sat all the way through the film what a clusterfuck fuck me and then he closes closes (laughs) the the file (laughs) so look okay so i'm I, I'm and it's, gonna, it's so quotable, it, and it's like it's ninety minutes long, right? It's, yeah, it's not it's long. Bang, it's, 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 it's a, in and out. I'm I'm a massive sucker for for a get in, yeah, get yeah, out, get, get it get done. Out. Well, I agree. I, I agree. So maybe, maybe, maybe I've only seen it once. Please do revisit it, okay. and, and just go in knowing you know well, what you're getting this you time. So I will watch Burn After Reading. Yep. You watch Lost Caution. Okay? I absolutely will watch, and Lost then Caution. and we will come back and we will revisit this. Okay, yep. um, so and you you are a, you are somebody who says that you should watch films twice. Yes, I mean I quite often think that you know you you it's only the second time round. You actually see the film for what it is, and the thing is, is what well, okay, I say it's all ridiculous and silly, but the see and the music uh, by Carter Burwell, and it's one of the most specific, interesting soundtracks that I think, because the Coen Brothers don't tend to use music very much, yeah. and when they do, it's very. Although they've, they've worked often with Carter Burwell, yes. and, you know, so, yeah. yeah, and No Country for Old Men, I don't think has a score. I don't think there's any oh, music. Cool. I just remember opening and closing almost in. In silent. I mean, yeah, and it's, it's the voiceover the, of. That's right. And the but dream, I don't think yeah. there's any music in No Country oh. for Old Men, which is brilliant, and I, and I love that they are brave enough. I mean, they're, they're, they're the Coen Brothers to just make things work just with the imagery, and they're still tense and they still work even more so sometimes in the silence. But the drums and the and, and the way that Carter Burwell uses music in it is like any not, like nothing else I've ever heard in a, in a film the the scene that I'm talking about where it ends with Brad Pitt getting shot in the face where it starts with him like doing this little dance when he's <laughs> when he's uh, the people who are watching on the Patreon can enjoy my little rendition of the Brad Pitt dance when he's listening to stuff in his in his uh, in his iPod and then when he goes and breaks into the house it's this weird combination of quite silly and fun like when he climbs over a wall he like almost like a dog like sort of scrambles his legs it's very cartoonish and then he breaks a window and everything's kind of this weird mix between actual suspense and silly yeah. cartoon yeah but that, and I mean, then that, it but that, ends with him getting shot in the face so you're like oh shit no this is but that goes serious. back to the coens and you know and sam raimi mm-hmm. and, and all that you know and, and sonnenfeld and everything that whole kind of cartoon it's kind of similar in farcical ways to something like parasite yeah yeah, yeah. like oh, okay fine do you know what i mean like it's, but, it's and, yet, and yet not not at all <laughs> like the tone is so different and it's you know, thematically not really about anything <laughs> other than chaos yeah and, 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 and as jk simmons says what the fuck you know, this is a major inconvenience for us, and we just thought a reward. Ah, so it's money. So it's money. You well, want money? Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, why not? Listen to me. Am I out of line listen, here? How? Listen to me, you two clowns. Listen to me very, very carefully. You have no idea what you're doing. And I warn you. You warn us. You warn us. Yes. yes. You warn I, us. Let yes. me tell you something, Mr. Intelligence. We warn you. Listen. We will call you Come back with on. our demands. Hello? Chad. No, Chad. Don't play his game. Sorry. Jeez. You're nervous of that guy. I am very fucking surprised he did not give us that reward. Okay, so I'm going to go back and watch that. So, number one, okay, best right. movie of all before, time. Go on. Before you say what number one is, you I want everyone to know yeah. that we had a call about this podcast before we did it to, yeah. to say what we were going to do. Yeah. 
and Mark just called dibs on this one. Like I he did. just said, I'll oh, just say it. We never know each other's list before going no, in. No. But Mark just went, oh, by the way, I'm doing this. Yeah. So I couldn't choose no, this No, you film. couldn't choose it. Okay. So I've chosen... Which is unfair. It's fine, but it's my podcast. So I've chosen the Thomas Alfredson Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. And the reason that I've chosen that as my favourite spy movie is, as I have said a million times, it's not about spies. It's ap- it's so not about spies. Despite the fact it has the word spy in the title mm. and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is probably one of the most famous, you know, sort of embodiments of what it, it's not about spies I mean it is about spies yeah. in the same way the that Jaws is mm-hmm. about a shark social network is not about Facebook exactly what Tinker it maybe is one of the only films that there's a spy film where it is more about the personal lives yeah. than, I mean, the, than the actual job it, it, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is about a bunch of middle aged men sitting in rooms worrying mm-hmm. and uh, you relate a, to that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like I'm literally, I mean, f- f- okay, firstly, I love all the design and the production design and the fact that it evokes a particular period mm-hmm. that you can smell the nicotine in the mm-hmm. walls, that the, you know, that kind of beige color just permeates everything. Secondly, I think it's a brilliant ensemble cast. It is. I mean, it, I mean, every single every time it cuts to it, a new scene, you're like, "Oh, this person's in it. Oh, yeah. this person's in but it." But also, you don't think, "Oh, that's a celebrity performance." Yeah. You think that's the person there because they're the best cast for doing it. Um, I love Alfredson anyway, and I had absolutely loved "Let the Right One In," mm-hmm. and it was, you know, that was shame really... about the snowman. Yeah, which was apparently never finished. Apparently, well, whose was... fault's that, though? No, I know. I'm not. I'm not I, mean, I think even Alfredson thinks it's a terrible film. Yeah, I think he does. I mean, I, would, I think he knows that. I mean, it is a terrible film. It really is. Like, really. It's one of the weirdest yeah. cinema experiences I've ever had. Because you're just sitting there going, what? Because it's like Fastbender's doing it, and, and like and the director of, of, of Tinker Taylor, and like, what? And J.K. Why? Simmons is in it, like, hiding behind a bookshelf <laughs> at one point, like, in this weird creep. I was like, what decision was this? Like, what film were you I making? Know. It's like, it's almost like, I hate to say it, but it's almost like Suicide Squad being like, yeah, but there was a different cut of it. Yeah, but the scenes that I've seen I know. weren't great. That's the thing when, when, when Alfred The snowman said, wasn't great, I know. even he, what I saw. He said, he said it, you know, well, we didn't finish shooting it. And, and that's right. And the answer is, I don't think that more would make it better. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, but, so Tinker Tailor, so I think it's brilliantly directed. I yep. think the, the, the use of you know, music in it incidentally, is great. I think the performances are really terrific. But I think the thing that I love most about it is that I do not care mm-hmm. about the plot. Um, I care about the plot only in terms of the fact that it is a constant spiralling, increasing thing about anxiety and distrust. And for me, what I find interesting about spy movies is the whole thing. I mean, I love undercover cop movies. It's one of the reasons yeah. I love Cruising so much, the William Friedkin film. That's why I like The Departed so much. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. So that's fine, that's one fine, of the fine, reasons fine. why that yeah. movie stands out to me. Is Scott Scorsese's best. Okay. I love that. Suspense, but, and I think that that's you know I and you know cinema is a voyeuristic experience, and watching people watching each other, mm-hmm. and so much of Tinker Tailor is about people watching each other, yep. and and I just I could go back into that world, and I can it, I could inhale that movie mm-hmm. because. It's that that feeling of unease. you're making me want to watch it. Again. I haven't watched it for years. But that's you know that's what it is. It it is not about spies. Yeah. It is about a crisis in maleness there is, that there I is, understand completely. There are three things that stand out to me in that movie, and I haven't seen it for years. So it's just amazing how much it, it still lives with me. The third one is Colin Firth putting back on his shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Because 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 and incidentally that that moment is in Secrets of Cinema. It's that thing about the detail that tells you everything. Yep. You know it. And that's that. That is, it's so brilliant, it isn't is it? So it's brilliant. like the level of mm-hmm. deceit involved in putting his shoes back on. Yep. 
Uh, and the second one is, and, and, and as, a, as, a, as a young filmmaker, I'm always looking for lessons in, in movies that tell you something that usually would have been done in a clunkier way. Okay. So instead of five years previous, five years later, at the beginning of the movie, they show Gary Oldman's character getting a new pair of glasses. So you know that everything that's happening in present day, he has these glasses on, and everything that's happening in the past, he has those glasses on. That, to me, is what genius filmmaking is. It's <laughs> those tiny little details yeah. that just tell you more. So you don't have to go, oh shit, how do people know yeah. the difference between the two? It's the same as Greta Gerwig choosing a different palette for Little Women when yeah, in the yeah, present yeah. and the past. Just brilliant decisions like that, yeah. that, that again, you say, like, show, don't tell. And the third is the ending sequence that's set to Le Mer, I yeah, think it's called. Beyond, yeah, 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 yeah. The, original the original French, French version. version of Beyond the Sea, um, which I think is one of the best ending sequences to anything in cinema. It's just so satisfying. And he comes and he sits down. Yeah. And that, I, I mean, I made a, a, a web series in 2013. It was the first longer form thing I ever made. And the entire ending sequence to me was inspired by, okay. it's entirely different, but it, it yeah. was inspired by that. That's how much it sort of like, like crept into my yeah. psyche. I and again, it. we use that end sequence in Secrets of Cinema. So um, good. Uh, just taking his place like actually nick who is f filming and recording this nick was the fuck what, you nick pretty much yeah fuck you nick <laughs> was uh, pretty much the i mean kim newman was the lead writer on the series but nick absolutely led that um that spy movies episode and you know did an awful lot of the writing on it and both those moments were chosen by nick and and they are great moments yeah we've named the operation witchcraft well, percy and his pals bypassed us smiley gone straight to the minister percy has been allowed to keep the identity of his new friend top secret. The minister agrees with me that too many secrets are blown around here. Too much failure, too many scandals, too little solid intelligence. Percy does have a point, Control. We should be fighting communism, not each other. Well, we're losing our reputation, our partners. <laughs> Your bloody yanks. And we've had enough. There's going to be changes. We need to decide if we want to be part of the past or part of the future. I should have left you where I found you. Look, no, control. No, 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 I, I made oh, you. All of you! If witchcraft is genuine, nothing is genuine anymore. Okay, so I took dibs on what, you I, think, did. what I think we all agree. Yeah. And so you were left with? I, I've gone through, a, it's, it's a big broad one, on. but I can explain, I think, why I think it's Go amazing. Ahead. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Ooh. The fifth one. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, it's, again, it's a, cinema is a very personal thing. We all know that. Um, so somebody listening to this is going to go, oh, what, why, why haven't you picked this one, that yeah, yeah. one? But when I saw Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, I was ready to see it. Yeah. I was in Los Angeles. I was with my friend, my best friend, Tim. It's Macquarie. It's Christopher Macquarie. Uh, it's his first one that he did. Uh, I was on a beach in Los Angeles and I found out that there was a screening of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation that day. And I really wanted to see <laughs> okay, it with okay, Tim. Okay. <laughs> and I called my agent and I was like, is there any way we can sneak my, me into that film? And then about half an hour later, he called me and said, 
who's the best agent ever. <laughs> and we had like reserved bad robot seats to see this film. And I remember from the beginning with Joe Kramer's amazing score yeah. that just happening over the logos. Yeah. I was like, oh, I am. I'm all in for this already. <laughs> and then the first time that Tom Cruise appears, running through a shot to the dun, 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 like as he jumps onto a plane, I, or just immediately I'm just elevated to, this is what I love cinema for, yeah. is just these experiences. He jumps onto the outside of the plane, right? And then the plane took off. And then the plane off. takes off, and it is him. It is really him. And is he, he must be tied to it, he's, right? he's tied to it, yes. But and mean, he's wearing these really thick uh, eye lenses so that okay. nothing gets in his eyes. Oh, I did, yeah. wow, okay. And in real had, life. In real in life, life okay. yeah. And he did it eight times. Wow. Eight times. And he said he didn't tell his mum that he was doing it until after he'd done it, which is amazing. And he this is, is literally on literally the outside, of, on the outside plane of the plane. Literally hanging on the outside of the plane. that takes off. Yeah. Yes. And what's impressive as well is that the bit where it lands isn't in the film, but that would have been amazing <laughs> to see. Like, just filming that as he's like... <laughs> just, oh, insane. So there's all the... Everyone going, is Tom still alive? <laughs> Tell him to go again. Yeah, yeah. But more intensity. This is the thing that, obviously, Mission Impossible has become very known for in its later iterations, is Tom Cruise does batshit insane things for real, <laughs> yes. on camera, for your enjoyment. See, Tom Cruise break his ankle in real life. Yeah, yeah, he really did it. And it's in the film. Um... Yeah, so there's that element to it, which is this very, like, almost... Because I used to be into wrestling, and I really like sort of circus performers and things. I, yeah. I really like that spectacle. So watching Tom Cruise do these amazing things for real is a big part of why I think these movies really work now. And mm. it's just the excitement that no one else does anymore. It's the reason why I love... Uh, one of the reasons why I love the film The Mask of Zorro is that there's a lot of very real stunt work in oh, that. Okay. That's, like, there's bits where someone like flips around a horse. that You just wouldn't <laughs> see that anymore because everything's led by CGI yeah. and all the rest of it. We all know this. There's no, I don't have a big problem with it. I'm a big fan of superhero movies. But sometimes it's nice to go, that's fucking real. They really did that. Which is why I have a... Which is why Rogue Nation wins for me over Fallout is that I think that Rogue Nation has a more purposeful story and I'll get to that in a second. Fallout has the amazing stunt where Tom Cruise really jumps out of a plane <laughs> and they really filmed it but then they put a load of CGI lightning and stuff around him okay. so it doesn't really matter. You're watching yeah. it going I can. this doesn't look yeah. I still real. love Fallout though. It is incredible. It's so, the, the ending helicopter stuff yeah, alone. With the helicopters falling down when and he's it dead. really yeah, is doing it. Like You're just watching it I, I remember watching it in IMAX and being like this is just Batshit! It feels like I'm watching a documentary yeah. about a madman. And, it, and, and it stars the, the moustache that isn't in Justice League. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love all the stuff as well with that. Like the reveal that Henry Cavill is a villain when he turns over the phone and it isn't smashed, and everyone goes, I've, "I knew it was a villain from there." And Macquarie's like, "Yeah, because I told you. <laughs> Show don't tell, and you think that I made a mistake." Anyway, so Rogue Nation. The 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 main reason why I think it works over Fallout in terms of its as a whole package. The whole thing for me hangs on the opera sequence. Okay. The opera sequence to me is like a Which incidentally in owes filmmaking. a debt to Dario Argento, but carry on. Of course it does. Um, the opera sequence to me, I think, is filmmaking wise as good as anything in Parasite. I think that the geography, the, the way that he's teaching you where everybody is, what everybody's role is, the patience of it is nothing short of genius and it's just taking its time to get to the crescendo like if you got to the crescendo where there's three different people pointing guns at the same thing and you didn't really understand where everyone was and what what was going on and that the the, the, uh, the the opera was getting to a crescendo as well yeah. if you didn't understand all these things it just would fall on its face 
but it's so it's just all these different elements and Macquarie like pulling the strings with the editing the music design because the, the, the opera doesn't flow like that they've yeah, changed yeah. it specifically and worked with Eddie Hamilton the amazing editor who I think is the best working editor in Hollywood to make sure that that sequence hits and I think it's Brilliant! It's so good. I don't know if you remember it specifically, but no, no, I do the Chancellor yeah. is about to get yeah, shot. Yeah, no, no, I remember it really. And I'm, there's that moment where you, as an audience, go, "I don't know what he's going to do," and then shooting him in the shoulder is something that you think, like some armchair guy would be like, "Oh, just shoot him in the shoulder." <laughs> but actually, in the moment, you're like, "I don't know how he's going to get out of this." Some armchair guy. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just armchair politics, it's armchair know, film I know, theory. I, know, yeah, yeah. I watched a film with my housemate who's a bit like that. We watched. Um, Denis Villeneuve's Prisoners. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of moments in that where there's tension with someone who's got a gun and whatever. And he was like, I would just do this. And I was like, no, Mike, you wouldn't yeah. because you would have a gun pointed at you. And also You're because not... there is a, an underground maze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go, I remember that moment of going, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, that, that moment, that opera sequence, I think you could write several different uh, papers and yeah. essays on why that sequence works so well. And then there's... Everything else that's in it as well, it's just as exciting. But I think that moment is my favorite moment in all of Mission Impossible. Welcome to Vienna, Benji. Miss me? Ethan, where are you? Where the hell have you been? No, I, you know what? Please don't tell me that because it's just another thing I will have to lie about in my weekly polygraph. Everything's going to be fine. Just keep walking. But make sure you're not being followed. Oh, I didn't win those opera tickets, did I? No, I'm afraid not. So where do we meet? We don't. For your sake, we shouldn't be seen together. You have mail. Who is he? That's what we're here to find out. What I do know is he's our only possible link to the Syndicate, and I have reason to believe he's going to be here tonight. But I can't find him alone. Are you in? Uh, Are you in? Yes, of course, of course. Um, so what's the play? Simple. You find him, we tag him, I follow him wherever he goes. And after that? After that, you're on a plane. Back at work Monday morning, no one is the wiser. Wait, that's it? You're in enough danger as it is. I didn't want to involve you this much, but I had no choice. Well, if you're going to bring me all this way, you could at least give me something a bit more, you know, dramatic. Benji, we're trying to keep a low profile. You want drama? Go to the opera. Look, I think it's a great choice. Um, we're going to have to draw this to a close because we've got to record another one of these. I think it's a, that is a, those are really good choices, but what we can take away from this is yep. that I'm going to go away and watch Burn After Reading and you are going to go away and watch Lost Caution. And you are going to call it its real title when you've seen when it. When I've seen it again. <laughs> Jack, I will see you in the very near future. In fact, I think we're going to do kind of regular updates through this whole yeah. period. We'll this do, we this might pandemic. Do them, yeah, we'll do them remote. We'll figure out a way of recording remotely because you and I don't live in the same towns. No. Um, and... We'll do kind of a bunch of bonus episodes because I think at totally. the moment, particularly, it, you know, it's nice to have extra stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. You know? And I think that everybody who's sending us suggestions for things that we can do on Twitter yeah. is really helpful, actually. Yes, please. It, it gives us a good gauge of what you're enjoying listening to us talk about. It really does. Thank you for listening and please keep it up. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please keep it up. That doesn't sound right. Come on. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, remember to subscribe, tell your friends, all the usual stuff. But please, please, please stay safe. 
But there we are, that was Jack Howard and I discussing our favourite spy movies. As I said before, Secrets of Cinema Spies is on BBC4 at 9 o'clock this week. And if you're listening after that's happened or you can't watch at 9 o'clock, then you can go to BBC iPlayer anytime after 9 o'clock on Thursday and you can watch not only that programme but all of the second series. And indeed, the whole of the first series is returning to BBC4 in the next few weeks, so that'll be on iPlayer too. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, then why not help support the Kermit on Film podcast by visiting our Patreon page. There's loads of exclusive content there, video that you can't get elsewhere, and a whole bunch of other things to keep you coming back for more. We really do appreciate your support. Thanks for listening, and stay safe, everyone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.